Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. The Good Divorce. Conscious uncoupling. You've heard about them, but are they even possible? A University of Chicago study showed that, over time, unhappy adults who divorced or separated were no happier, on average, than unhappy adults who remained married. And that two out of three of those unhappily married adults who chose to work things out actually became happier over time. And many parents divorce without fully realizing the the true consequences to their children. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today with my guest, Beverly Willett. She is a former lawyer. She is the author of Disassembly Required, a memoir of midlife resurrection. And she is the co-founder of the Coalition for Divorce Reform. So Beverly, thanks so much for coming on this show and talking about what unfortunately is a is a big topic. Well, thanks for having me. And yes, unfortunately, it's it's so funny. Years ago, someone said to me, you're just writing about nothing about divorce. You're going to become the divorce lady. And here it is like 20 years later, <laughs> and I'm still writing about divorce because um, I think as Nora Ephron says, divorce is forever. <laughs> well, yes. And and people think it people think it actually solves problems. And it actually doesn't really, it actually creates more, especially if you have children, because if you have children, you never can completely get divorced. So, you know, it is, and, and as the child of divorce, you know, part of the reason why I do what I do is to try to help people not have to go through that because for the most part, it's even, even if it's the best option, it's still pretty painful. It is. And, you know, it's, it's so funny to just pick up on that quickly you know, people say, um, oh, you know, but we're in so much pain and we don't want, you know, we don't want to keep going through this pain and it's better not to, to avoid the pain and whatever. And then they go through the pain of divorce and the pain of all the repercussions and the, the difficulties. And it's like, why don't you just stop a minute and work hard, work through it and save everybody, you know, what's the, the worst of it. We're talking about low conflict marriages, of course. Right. Um, because that's, I think, in our culture, that is the immediate feeling. Oh, if this if this feels bad and it's hard and I got to suffer a little bit, then it's not good. We put an automatic <laughs> label on that uh, because I think we miss understand what happiness is and frankly i believe that as adults we have a very juvenile and a very immature understanding of what happiness is oh i could not agree with you more and you know the the myth that marriage is about personal happiness which again i mean and and the truth of the matter is and i will say this you know you you can choose to be happy under all kinds of circumstances. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to get a little bit into that. And by the way, happiness is also a fleeting emotion. Nobody's happy all the time. Otherwise, that's just reset back to zero. So, um, so yeah, this whole focus on personal happiness. But anyway, so you wrote an article, which is really what I really wanted to talk about today, titled, Not Getting Divorced Could Save Your Marriage, which, of course, that sounds like an obvious statement, 
Um, you know, because it's like, well, okay, but can you explain what you mean by this and why you actually titled your article this? Yes. I mean, I guess uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, the, the first thing is that I was responding to a to an article um, in the New York Times, and it was a big, splashy article, and it was titled, A 50-50 Custody Arrangement Could Save Your Marriage. Right. Well, of course, that's a complete non sequitur, because a 50-50 <laughs> custody arrangement is, by definition, of divorce. Right. So getting divorced doesn't save your marriage. No. So I guess the first thing that I was doing with with the title was I was re- reacting to the story and uh, doing a kind of a riff on that. Mm-hmm. Um, to make it very, very obvious also is that I was flipping it around. And, and basically what saves your marriage is not getting divorced, making the, making the commitment to honor your commitment and to work hard and to, to do what's necessary to save your marriage, which is what marriage is all about in the <laughs> first place. So all these people getting divorced haven't perhaps really understood what their commitment meant, what they were mm. committing to, what marriage means. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like a threshold thing. So I just kind of wanted to reset and have people say, what? <laughs> yeah, no, committing not to get divorced and working hard at your marriage is going to save your marriage. Well, you know, and, and and this is the thing, because you this is what I run into all the time. And, it, and it's interesting because I just read an article. I think it was, I think it may have been on psychology today, but anyway, it's like, you know, stop using marital therapy as the last stop before an attorney. And I was like, and I, I have not, and I'm going to be putting that article out there because it was like, oh, she's, you know, she's speaking my language, um, you know, because this is what happens a lot of times. People think about getting help for their marriage as some sort of punishment or, you know, they have to be in this horrible crisis. Well, it's like the way I look at it, it's like, well, you, how often do you take your car to get their oil changed? You know, when do you, do you do your your annual physicals. Now, I know a lot of people don't do that. But I mean, the thing is, if you don't take care of your car and maintain it, it's going to it's going to stop in the middle of the road somewhere and you're going to be in really bad shape. You know, you don't necessarily want to wait until the last minute. But that's what people do around their marriages. They think, well, it's got to be, you know, everybody says marriage is hard work and it's hard. So we must be doing it right. As opposed to let's go see if we can figure out how to make this easier and better. Yeah, I mean, go to an it's, it's almost like at the first sight of trouble. Let's let's not let it get worse and worse right. and worse until it, you know, really is like at the breaking point. Right. Um. Ex- exactly. And I think too, it's it, just to pick up on that quickly. Um. And that is, I think that there are a lot of people that will say, well, you know, we went to a marriage counselor, mm-hmm. you know, as kind of a way of, of making themselves feel better uh-huh. about making the decision to go ahead and split. Right. Because they'll say, OK, well, we did check in with the marital ca- marriage counselor, yes. you know, <laughs> as, as if that's like and and, you know, that's like. We, we got the sign off now that we can go ahead with divorce. Right. And and quite frankly, as a marriage professional, I really wish I had a magic wand so that all it would right. take would somebody showing up in my office one time and I tap them on the top yeah. of the head with the fairy dust and they could go off. It's not the way that works. And so when I, you know, when people say that to me, it's like, and how often did you go? Well, two sessions. Right. Okay. That's not right. going to, that's not going to change anything, but you know, you wrote you wrote this book, and I've and I've known that that your experience with divorce was not good, but I actually think it pro- was probably more common than most people. So, would you be willing to share briefly what your experience has been like? 
Well, it's a, it's a very, very long story, but just to shortcut it, I guess, um, a few months after my ex um, and I celebrated our 20th anniversary, we'd been married uh-huh. for 20 years, we had two children, um, he started having an affair, and uh, literally a few months after the affair, uh, he walked out and never uh-huh. came back and uh-huh. filed for divorce. So we were in divorce. I think it was about, it was, it was five and a half years, um, close to six years before we got the final divorce judgment. Uh-huh. And the first several of those years, it's, it's a very long story, but I really wanted to save my marriage. And I was in New York at the time where they did not have no fault divorce yet. So uh-huh. I literally could defend the wrongful allegations against me, which I did. It uh-huh. was, it was, it happened, but then he moved to New Jersey and was going to file there where they had no fault divorce. Uh-huh. So I really didn't have any, I didn't have anything <laughs> to work with anymore. Um, but I wanted to save my marriage. And, you know, I, so I started after, after all of this, I started writing about, um, marriage and and divorce uh-huh. uh, because I learned so much it was a real crash course for me I I had been a lawyer but I had never practiced in this area uh-huh. didn't know anything about family law um didn't really know any intimate friends who'd been through a divorce you know um so this was a very rude awakening for me as a lawyer to have the experience in family court where really everybody is pushing for you to get that divorce uh-huh. so that they can move on to the next client or move on to the next case uh, as it were with the judges so judges and lawyers i mean they are all they, they the whole game is to force you to finish this divorce divide the property the kids and get out of their hair right so that they can they can start banking on the next one uh-huh. i was completely completely flabbergasted that a society that supposedly values marriage and family is is really like our laws are really like anti-family they're anti-family Right. And yes, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, you know, and you were talking about this 50 50 joint physical custody, which also is incredibly challenging on children. And, you know, it's just like who 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 thought this was a good idea? But I I do think you're talking about it from the court system's perspective of kind of like, let's just get these two people to an agreement. Don't really care what it is or how it's going to work. Let's just let's just move it out because we're so inundated with all these people waiting in line. It's like next, you know, it's like divorce on the superhighway. Yes. And that plays into your comment um, uh, originally about the the whole good divorce, Mm -hmm. because, you know, the 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 standard for custody decisions is supposed to be the best interest of the children. Right. Well, we know from research, uh, we have a body of research now, but we didn't know maybe 50 years ago when the first no fault divorce um, statutes were being enacted, what the repercussions were going to be. Uh-huh. There's, it's it's clear now. We know we have 50 years of history and research. It's clear that in most cases um, for low conflict marriages, this is not the best thing for adults and certainly not the best thing for children. Right. So if the standard is the best interest of the children, <laughs> then the whole system is counter to actually what what serves the best interest of the children. But they're still operating under this theory that came about in the late 70s, I guess, early 80s, that, you know, if if 
if parents can have a good divorce, you know, they cannot fight too much and they can uh-huh. agree over, you know, how we're going to split up the children's time and who's going to do what and who's going to get what property and whatever, then that is going to, that is going to further everyone's life. That is going to create a harmonious situation for the adults. The adults are going to be happier because they're going to be relieved of this burdensome marriage that's not making them happy. Uh And, and, and as a, as a, as a byproduct of that, what's going to happen is the children are going to be happier because the parents aren't fighting anymore. Right. Oh, really? Right. Well, that is a complete myth. That has been, that has been, it's been proven by research to be a myth. Uh-huh. But frankly, and this this particular article um, that I that I wrote in response to was all about, you know, the good divorce myth, how great and how wonderful it all is on the other side. Well, as you pointed out, happiness, perceived happiness this is a feeling. It's like a pendulum. Uh-huh. I mean, whenever you rely on feelings, man, I mean, you know, <laughs> an hour ago, my knees were hurting. Right. You know? And now I'm talking to you and I'm like, not really thinking about my hurting knees because we're right. having a great conversation. That's and that is what we're basing our laws on and the future of our parents and our children, these these feelings. So that is a it's a complete myth. And yet very smart people are still lawyers and judges and parents. And this woman who's writing this article, I really it I when I read this article, it just you know, I can't respond to every article that's written. <laughs> right. This one just grabbed me by the heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, I sat at my computer. I was crying. It grabbed me by the heart. And I said, this is a big article in the, the biggest publication, you uh-huh. know, one of the biggest publications in our country. And this woman who is completely uninformed, who's supposedly very intelligent and has degrees <laughs> after her name, is perpetuating this myth for thousands upon thousands of readers who are going to say, wow, if I just didn't think of that and she's advocating it and she knows this is what I'm going to do too. I think that's the thing that upset me the most is that we continue to have this perpetuated Mm -hmm. and we label it. Here's the other thing. We label this, this kind of an attitude as courage. Right. We think this is courage when this is the worst form of cowardice. Well, and, and it's funny that you talk about this because I've known you for a while. And, um, you know, and this whole thing about no-fault divorce. I mean, it takes two people to willingly get married, sign the marriage license, go through all of this. It takes one person to decide they don't want to do this anymore. And you and and you described it that you know you wanted to save your marriage, but your husband didn't. So that already also puts this lie to this quote unquote good divorce because you only it, only one person now if if two people agree or whatever. I mean, I'm still not necessarily saying that maybe that's not the best that, that maybe it's still not the best course of action when kids are involved. But in actuality, what what happens most of the time is one person wants it and the other person doesn't. And so that to me already blows apart the good divorce. Well, that that's true. And um and and you said to me like you know my divorce and and what I did find out um writing um, about my divorce and, and, and some of the research that was coming out is that people would write to me. Um, there are 
there are so many people out there experiencing the same kind of thing. Uh-huh. And they would say, oh, my gosh, I went through this sounds like my story. Uh-huh. So this is this is um, this is very prevalent. I, you know, I, I read a statistic the other day that 99 percent of all divorces are filed under the no fault provisions. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then of that, so that's almost like the whole the whole ball of wax. Right. And of that, the majority of them are unilateral. Right. So again, again, right there, you can't have the good divorce because you've got one person who, who doesn't want out, who wants to save the marriage. Right. And it's an important point to remember. And I want to remind my listeners that this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm talking the truth about divorce with former attorney and author Beverly Willett. Now, Marriage is a complicated relationship, and the truth is most people are not prepared for it. When they find the going tough, many believe the answer is just end the marriage. But if you have children, you can't really end it because you're still going to be connected to this person. So why not see if you can make it be what you want it to be? And if you're finding things challenging, but can't imagine not being with your children every day, I invite you to get in touch with me and schedule your free, no obligation, five-star relationship call. You can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. That's 919-924-0463 or by email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com. And I want to get back to this conversation because, Beverly, you pointed out that typical low-conflict marriages with children can be salvaged, but these are the ones that frequently end in divorce. So what's going on here, and what are these spouses missing? Well, again, I mean, we're talking about the the you know the the, the culture, the uh-huh. culture itself. I mean, and I, so I so I think you have to. And you said so many people going into marriage don't understand what it is. So I mean, I think we've got so many different factors here. We've got people going into marriage, making a commitment, saying the words, and not uh-huh. really understand what they're committing to or or believing what uh-huh. they're committing to, understanding that. I'm just thinking about this woman's title, 50-50, so uh-huh. 50-50 custody arrangement. But right. if you start to read down, you know, all of all of the things that she's talking about that that um, she doesn't specifically say my ex didn't do why. But uh-huh. you read between the lines and you can you can tell that, that that a lot of the problem here was, you know, maybe he didn't do his share of the, of the housework. Right. And it just it's just just too uh, too much of a hassle trying to juggle it all. And yes. You know, women do sometimes have that second shift and, and we do need to make improvements in that. And I, Absolutely. Just, I just will say that there are a lot of there are a lot of young millennial men that I've seen that I think are starting to understand that. And I, and I so maybe I'm kind of hopeful that maybe with the next generations, they get that, uh-huh. that shared kind of responsibility. Uh-huh. Um, but so but, you know, sometimes and, and so that is true. And I think that's one place where 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 couples need to, to think about things before they make that commitment and then need to get help mm-hmm. um, before before it's too late with that. But the bottom line is, I think, too, is that thinking is 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 very flawed because I don't think anything in life is ever 50-50. I was just thinking, you know, with that title and what we were going to mm-hmm. be talking about is that, you know, sometimes 
um, one of your kids, you know, who might be having a difficulty with something or or sick is going to be getting a little more attention mm-hmm. than the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, and marriages also go in cycles. If people are working or somebody's got, you know, a huge out of town commitment or something like that, one of the spouses could be doing a lot more than the other for, for, mm-hmm. um, a while. So this whole situation that she describes that you just need to put it all in writing. Everybody does half, half and half, everything is half. Right. Um, everybody should be giving all. Yes. And then if, if if somebody is like, you know, um, they, they can't be giving all because they're sick or they're out of town or they're whatever, then that other person has to to give 85. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they so that's really, I think, the the, the misunderstanding that is coming from a lot of, of couples from our culture, right. from the way that we um you know, we, we, we write about it and talk about it and talk to our friends about it. It's not always 50, 50. It is, it is a hundred percent all the time. And then flexibility and working together. That's the goal. Well, you and know, that's I'm just thinking about, you know, being like self-actualized, like, right. woman, like you know, self-actualized to me, like what? I was like, really? Well, <laughs> I mean, but, but it's all but- about self-actualization but in this art i mean but in this idea it's like they're assuming that they're mutually exclusive and you could be married and self-actualized at the same time and you know i mean and i think somewhere in your article you made some comment about and i don't know whether it was taken from the article that she wrote about well you know you divorce the guys so then they have to do 50 percent of the child rearing to me, that's a little drastic of a of a solution. I would think. Yeah. Well, what exactly. what what about if we just have like a conversation and you know come to an agreement about this? And and I'm talking about a productive conversation. I'm not talking about an attack and an argument kind of conversation, exactly. which is frequently what happens. You know, I mean, and and a lot of the men that that I work with, you know, yes, are they missing some relationship skills? Absolutely. Um, but most of the time they're these, they're good guys who, who, who want to do better. They just don't know what that looks like or what that means. And then, you know, um, it's just, it's just kind of this idea that, you know, you can actually have these conversations about how do we run the household? Anybody who's listened to me for a while knows that my personal opinion is, is that anybody who lives in a household has responsibility for keeping it going. I, I give exceptions to anybody under the age of two, but other than any, but if you're, <laughs> if you're two or older and you live in a house, you have responsibilities to keep that house functioning. Now, what those look like, who does what, all that other stuff, I think is open for negotiation, but you know, but, but women will take this on and, you know, and then they get ticked off. And you and I both know that women are the ones who initiate most of the divorces. Exactly. 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 And, you know, and so, so I think, you know, just going to that too, is one of the points that I did make in the article is that, that to say, which she completely says, you know, so all the moms that I know were divorced, were great because you know what? They wouldn't do it. So the law can tell the guys to do it. Right. Well, you know, the law really can't do that. The law can say, okay, you're going to have them, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. But mm-hmm. you can't 
you're not going to force your spouse to send the kids back with all their homework done, with all these, it's just, it's, I'm sorry. The law (laughs) cannot force anybody to do that. So to paint this picture to women, and they're the ones that file divorce most of the time, that, oh my gosh, you mean this is all just going to magically fall into place? Wow. Well, I mean, yeah, like that's, of course, of course, if you don't think about the kids, I mean, let's let's just put them to the side because my right. heart breaks for the kids mm-hmm. because they don't seem to have been figured into her equation and what she's talking about here. Um, so, yeah, that, no, no, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. And 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 what what you wind up ha- having happen is that those things don't get done. So there are still squabbles. There's mm-hmm. still it's it's so. So you have you have. You, as I said, you have created family Armageddon, literally, uh-huh. for this for this so-called, <laughs> you know, peaceful, wonderful. It, it's it's well, it's it's maybe mean, maybe for a couple of days, you know, in the in the it's like the romantic period. It's like the romantic period of the of the marriage. You uh-huh. know, it's everybody feels great. Right. So maybe she's writing from the romantic period of the the initial period of the divorce, where it's like. I remember my friends said to me when my ex, some of my friends said to me when my ex filed for divorce, they said, wow, you get to go out and date again. Oh, <laughs> like that's a good thing. <laughs> what? No, I mean, I, and they were, see, they were thinking from the perspective of, oh, I got to go, you know, I got to go cook dinner now and help the kid. They were just thinking of their, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the drudgery and wanting a weekend off. And thinking, oh my gosh, she's going to have the weekend off, and I've got to do all this this crap. And I said, well, first of all, I want to save my marriage, but uh-huh. but second, you know, when I, you know, when it when it got down the road, and I did go on a few dates years and years later, I mean, I would share the horror stories. You don't want to be out there, right? In <laughs> midlife, uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. So maybe you know, initially, people have this view. Mm-hmm. That it's just, you know, that the, the heaviness, when every, any heaviness lifts, I mean, it just feels good for a moment. Sure. Let's be honest. But that's pleasure. That's feelings and that's pleasure. Mm-hmm. That's not, I always used to tell my kids, you know, that, and I think they understand that because um, both of them have just almost, they're almost graduated from law school, both of them, mm-hmm. uh, is that, you know, if something is worth doing, you know, it, it, it that that commitment to it, that hard work, that seeing it through, mm-hmm. getting there to the other end. I mean, there's nothing that can replace overcoming a challenge and working through it. It's a great feeling. Well, and, and I agree. So what is it that you would recommend to these couples who, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it's the wife, maybe it's the husband, you know, it's they're, they're kind of in a rut. Nothing's really horrible. They're not arguing. Maybe they've just grown apart and maybe aren't having, you know, maybe they're living like roommates, but they have kids. What, what would you recommend instead of heading off to a divorce attorney? Well, you know, when people do write to me and unfortunately I wasn't able to save my own marriage. So sometimes I, I feel like, Oh, a little challenge, you know, mm-hmm. they're writing to me to save their marriage, but I wasn't able to save my own. Um, which is one of the reasons why I, I wrote my book because mm-hmm. I wanted people to understand that, you know, they, they could, they could pick themselves up, mm-hmm. um, and, and go on even, even in the midst of a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but but I do but I do tell people um, a couple of things when they when they do write to me. Um, I know there's a website about marriage friendly therapists, and mm-hmm. I always tell them find a marriage friendly therapist. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're hooked up with the church, um, you know that could be a route. But I always give them that website, and I say find a therapist who's not going to just help you split amicably, haha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually cares about saving your marriage. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of a therapist you want to go to and go there now. Don't wait, go there now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and don't rush into it. So I, I, I also tell them don't rush into this because we used to have very long waiting periods, um, uh-huh. in yep. the divorce statutes. We don't have long waiting periods anymore. We have Mm-mm. very short waiting periods and, and divorces increased. I mean, I think that is a factor in divorce is that people just want to get, get it over with. Right. Um, And I think that's very wrong because as we know from the research and we know just from common sense that when you're patient and you get your, your head clear and you're not, you're not thinking with your feelings and your, and your suffering Uh that you can think you can have a clearer head about things. So I always say, don't rush into this. Don't listen to your friends. Your friends are just going to, you know, you know, maybe just pat you on the back and say, oh, yeah, you, you deserve better. Okay, mm-hmm. That's not the place to go for it. Right. You know, if you're a religious person, pray about it. I mean, that's um, that was big for me. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, I find that for people, too. Um, I say pray about it. And then I'll always recommend some books. I will always recommend some websites. I will recommend some books so that they can see, especially if they have children, what are the ramifications to their children? Mm-hmm. They ought to have as much information as possible and really know the facts. Well, and, and I those so, are the kinds of things I, I usually suggest. Well, um, you know, and I so appreciate that. And, you know, and, and, and I'm hearing you because, because, you know, they are in pain. People are in pain and they want the pain to stop. But sometimes what they don't understand is that there's another way to make the pain stop that doesn't involve pulling apart the family. Now, you know, I mean, and, and that's, and then of course, that's what I do. I mean, you know, people, people think, oh, it's got to stay the same or we have to end it. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> There's this way of taking a look at it. But as you said, we want people not to wait too long for that. I mean, I've had more than one person say, well, when, when do I recommend that, that couples, you know, go seek assistance? I said, as soon as they're an established couple. <laughs> you know, not, not, not necessarily married, but, you know, if, if they're thinking of, you know, of going that way, um, you know, people say, you know, do I do premarital counseling? I said with anybody who's interested in doing it, but most people are so focused on the wedding. They're not thinking about what the marriage means and they're not prepared for it, you know? And so, <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, so, but I mean, I know you and I are basically on the same page. So Beverly, can you share some of those resources that you, that you advise people on, especially your book, by the way? Um, well, I mean, I, you know, I always tell people too about the, the, the website of the Coalition for Divorce Reform, because mm-hmm. there are so many articles there and, um, uh, you know, lots of, lots of research-based articles. Um, I do some writing for the Institute for Family Studies. Uh-huh. Um, and which is the article, this, this particular article that I wrote. And there's just a wealth of information on that website. I mean, uh-huh. I just, I absolutely love that. Um, 
um, uh, let me see, Between Two Worlds is one of the one of the books that came out a long time ago about um, the children of divorce. Uh-huh. Um, and then Lila Miller has a book out about the adult children of divorce. Uh-huh. So those are, I think, very good uh, resources if, if you want to you want to read about the um, the effects on children. And then I've written lots of articles that are on my website and I have, I have links to them. So if you go, go through them, you can, you can click on the links um, uh, to other articles and, and, and research based material. Okay. And, and where can they get your book? And can you tell the title of it again? Yes. Yes. So, so it's available on Amazon. It's um, disassembly required a memoir of midlife resurrection um, and so you can get it on Amazon and basically, you know, it, it gives the backstory that I, that I've given to you and, you know, thir- the 32nd, um, just so that people know the, where I had to come from in order to start my life over again, because uh-huh. so many people, I will say, well, if you're not able to save your marriage or some people come to me and they're already divorced and they say, I'm just hurting so bad. I just know I'm going to hurt forever and I'm uh-huh. never going to get over this. And I, I say to them, yes, you, yes, you can. Get yes, over you will. This. Mm-hmm. You will. And you can, that doesn't mean it's a, it's, it's a, it's a great thing. And, and I'm sorry this happened to you. But what I what I did understand in writing the book is that I thought, well, I know I can help people. At least I can share my story and what wh- how, what worked for me and and what I started to understand about attachment and loss. And, and uh-huh. one thing that you just said a minute ago, I would just quickly. I know we got to end, but um, you talked about change, how things can change, and that really was one of the the, the primary things that I learned. Um, in, in selling my house and sort of doing a life review and coming to peace with the end of my marriage is that I understood that the nature of everything is change. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, that part of my pain was continuing to hold on to the things the way they were. Mm-hmm. But I really wasn't doing that because things weren't the same as they were. Right. And so I think sometimes perhaps in couples head, when they're saying, Oh, how can this change? How can this? They've got this view in their head that they're grasping onto of exactly how it is and how it must be and how it's always going to be. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing is ever that way. Nope. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just like, that's actually like science. Mm-hmm. So if, if you understand that the science disproves what you're saying, then you can have the flexibility to say anything is possible and oh. things can change. And I love that. And so what I want to let people know, I mean, now I've said this before and I've actually looked it up, but one of my favorite quotes is by Methodist minister, Joseph Barth. He said, marriage is our last best chance to grow up. Now, in my view, I take that to mean marriage is meant to challenge us. And unfortunately, too many people think it's about personal happiness. And as I said earlier, it really is possible to have both, but it takes knowledge, skill, and as, and as Beverly has highlighted, commitment. And so understanding what that commitment is, and hopefully one of the things you will commit to is to continue to listen to this show. And I appreciate all your support. And until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.